Welcome back to the Terrible Faithful Podcast. I'm your host, Spencer Collins, joined today by Jack Gross and a new visitor, uh, a fellow Dan Patrick School of Sportscasting student here in Orlando, Florida, Parker Joseph. Say hi. Say hi. Yo, yo, yo. Uh, we're basically here today. We're kind of caught between a couple sports where football is now done. We're not in the offseason yet, the off-offseason yet, where free agency and stuff begins. And the MLB has further pushed its start date of the regular season and spring training by about another week. So we're kind of stuck in a sinkhole. We do have the NBA, but we've, you know, there's only so much to talk about with the NBA until, you know, you're in that kind of spot where we're just getting towards the end of the playoffs. The races will start to pick up. And yeah, so what we have though is the deadline passing without a CBA deal being done between the MLB and the MLBPA. And what that is, is uh, Tuesday, there was a deadline for a new collective bargaining agreement and uh, it passed uh, without a deal between MLB and the players. They players rejected the league's final proposition before the 5 PM deadline. And with that deal no longer being in place, the MLB announced that each team's first two series, I believe of the regular season won't be played. Uh, so April 7th is the earliest that the regular season will begin. And March 12th is the earliest that spring training can possibly begin. So Jack, uh, Parker, if you guys have anything, we can let Parker go first. What is your opinion? Like, wh- who's at fault here? I just want to get that across because I don't feel like we've talked about that last week. Who's at fault mainly in this? Well, I think th- there's a little bit of blame you can put on both sides, but mainly it has to be on the owners. Like, the reason the lockout started in the first place is because the owners know that, like, they can have a lockout and still not lose money. Every single player is losing money. And it's for them, it's either, like – lose a little bit of money and don't get screwed over for five years or sign a deal. That's basically going to screw over young talent for years to come. So I I understand why they didn't take the deal that the owners presented them. It's just an unfortunate situation that could have been easily avoided. Uh, Jack, if you want to elaborate off that. Yeah. I think the only part of this where I'm kind of like questioning the players a little bit is the CBT stuff. Uh, I understand that it also would play into the revenue sharing that would go into it. But I think the CBT shouldn't be going up personally because a lot of this has been built around making sure that the players that are kind of going in between the minors and the majors and the fringe guys, not the, you know, the top stars, but the fringe roster guys are really getting paid what they deserve. Not really, you know, the top guys, the top guys are making a lot, plenty of money, plenty of money. And I feel like the CBT part, you know, this isn't going to, this isn't forcing teams like the pirates and the Rays to spend more. But it's going to allow teams like the Yankees and Dodgers to spend more and to spend more money on these big players, which, you know what, I understand why they want it, but I don't think it's really solving anything. Other than that, all owners. And for Manfred to come out in a press conference and make jokes and laugh, what was your guys' initial reaction to seeing that? Um, I, I think he wanted the season to be delayed, honestly. Yeah. Like, he knows that the players have so much more to lose than the owners. So this is kind of what he wanted which uh, I think a lot of people on Twitter noticed that. But uh, it's not like his popularity really matters. Like uh, ever, people have hated Manfred ever since he became commissioner. So, And one yeah. thing to notice is that their final offer had no changes to the CBT threshold whatsoever. It had a $5 million increase on pre-arbitration bonus pool from $25 million to $30 million, and an increase of minimum contracts. From seven or from six hundred seventy-five thousand to seven hundred thousand, moving up ten thousand a year. So, 
as this being the final offer, and believe it or not, I believe four teams voted no on this, saying it was too generous. Yeah, and it wasn't just the poor, <laughs> the, you know, the quote-unquote poor teams. The Angels were one of the teams that voted no on this, who are obviously pretty big spenders. So, you know, we saw them go and spend a lot this offseason. What? So, who do you guys think the other teams are? If one of them we, is the we, Angels, we, so know, we, know? we know who they are. Who are they? Who are, do we know who are they? Actually, I know. I'm, I might be missing one of them. I know it's either the, the Angels are in there, Diamondbacks, the Tigers. And I'm, I'm forgetting who the final one is. I saw an article about it this morning. I was really scared that the Pirates report. were going to be really, really poverty and vote against it. It, they might, it might be them, but I'm not sure. I say, I say we blame it on Baltimore and call it a day. <laughs> it's Angels, Diamondbacks, Tigers, and Reds. Huh. The Tigers is another interesting one. I'm not surprised by the Reds because they've been cutting costs all year. I mean, it seems like their owner is a really cheap guy. I, I mean, it, it's it's funny to see Stu Sternberg, the Rays owner, not there. Knowing he's he's probably the second cheapest owner in the league besides, you know, the, the guy over in Pittsburgh. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> One thing um, – is the service time management thing. Uh, players finishing first and second in rookie of the year voting would receive a full year of service time, regardless of days spent in the majors. Under this plan, someone like Chris Bryant would have received a full year of service time in 2015. What do you guys like? What do you guys think about that? It makes sense. I don't really know how much it's really going to solve, but I think Chris Bryant was a perfect example because they brought him up right after that deadline. They let him stay in the minors for two or three weeks. And then he comes up, he plays 171 days in the majors. And to get a full year of service time, he needed 172. And because of that, he was a Cub to start in 2021. He would have been a free agent after the 2020 season if that hadn't been the case. True. And that was clearly just them manipulating service time. They knew he was ready. But um, the way I look at it is teams are just going to keep manipulating. Like they're, I, I think one thing that they may do is just hold their guys down even longer just so that they don't have a chance to win rookie of the year. Like, I mean, look at Wander this year. If Wander had a full year in the MLB, he would have won rookie of the year. Like, no doubt. And I don't think that was really manipulation as much as Wander being, what, 19. But still, like, there are going to be players like that that are, like, clear-cut rookie of the year favorites that are going to be held down if that passes. Adley Rushman will get up to the bigs until July. Exactly. Especially for teams that have nothing to win for. Like, why would the Orioles bring – Adley up before September, if that were the case. So what we're going to do with O'Neill. Exactly. <laughs> oh, God. O'Neill's going to be the 10th best shortstop in the league. MLB nerds called it. He's only going to play from July on. Yeah, he's only going to play from July on. So Can't for the draft, one thing I also saw is draft pick compensation. The MLB offered in it to eliminate direct draft pick compensation for all free agent when you lose a free agent. Yeah, I think that's definitely something the players will want. I think that'll help improve some of the markets. I mean, you saw, you know, Chris Taylor had the qualifying offer and all these qualifying offers. You know, if you take this on, you have to give up a second round pick, which is, you know, not that crazy in baseball, but, you know, it's still draft capital. Yeah, I mean, you don't want to if, – if you're a team that is notorious for drafting well, like the Dodgers or the Yankees, it's going to deter you from signing some people. So I think yeah. that that rule is going to help – the market be more healthy. And it's sure. also going to, you know, that rule lets teams like, you know, the Rockies justify not spending on a, on the player because they have a qualifying offer. 
Yeah, you know, we don't want, and it's not, and it's not even that it justifies it. It's that you know, you know, why would you spend on a player that has a qualifying offer? We only give up a second round pick if you're a bad team, and you're at the top of the second round. Yeah, and other provisions. So there's about four here. <clears throat> I'm just going to ask. I'm just going to label them, and then you guys give me your opinions after that. Playing rules. MLB proposed the formation of a joint compensation or uh, competition committee comprised of active players, individuals selected by the office of commissioner. Changes to playing and scoring rules, a.k.a. a pitch timer, automated ball strike, shift restrictions, and bigger bases. Automated ball strike? Mm-hmm. Is that actually in the deal? Yeah, that's what they proposed, is that those would be among the first topics that were brought up in this committee. Well, I don't know how I feel about that. I, I mean, I know players are going to be against that, and I understand why. Like, especially catchers. It's going to be comp- comprised of active players and then some individuals selected by the office commissioner. Oh, great. Rob Manfred's going to put whoever the hell he wants on it. Great. Hmm. What about pitch I, timers? I mean, I don't really mind any of the things they added there. I mean, those things are all kind of whatever to me. I think pitch timers are pretty necessary. Like, if you know me, you know I'm not. I'm not really into, like – the pace of the game being too long. Like I love a long baseball game. I know a lot of people disagree, but like, I mean, time between pitches can get ridiculous sometimes. I remember watching the Rays when I was like a preteen watching David Price pitch every single pitch. There's 30 seconds in between every single game that he'd pitch. It would be like four hours. And that's what a lot of people don't understand is, is you don't have to change the rules of the actual game. There are ways to cut down on how long games are. And that does include, Less advertisements, but obviously owners will not agree to that. So pitch timer <laughs> is probably the best solution for now. It's not going to change that much, but you know, I think that it's right going to be an interesting dynamic because a lot of the time in those big situations, especially with the relievers in games or a starter trying to get it through an inning, it takes a really long time. I and mean, there'll be sometimes even a minute between pitches when it's a big situation late in someone's outing or even as a reliever, and they'll take like 17 deep breaths. Uh, you know, I don't. I wonder how it'll affect that, and if it'll affect the performance of anybody in that situation. It probably will be raised in deeper in the innings, or if the like scores, it's gonna it's it's gonna take a lot of 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 small details to be gone over. Especially if you guy that is really fast on second or on first, and you keep taking a look at him, and he keeps itching that he's gonna go, and you you know you kind of step off, throw out to him, and stuff like that. So you know you could see players that need an extra breath just kind of throwing the first to kind of get get around the pitch timer. Um, but for something like shift restrictions, I talked about Parker. I think I asked him, it wasn't even too depth of a question, but I was like, how would you feel if they banned the shift? Like just like a blatant, like not even like, cause shift restriction goes with like banning certain shifts, I'd assume, yeah. or putting restrictions on certain, certain shifts. If I just asked him the question, if you ban shifts straight up and he said, no, that would be bad for the game. What do you think about that? Derek? I think that my proposal would be let infielders move wherever the hell they want as long as they're in the infield. Don't let Manny Machado go basically play right field. Let him go over there, but stay in the infield, stay on the dirt. I think that's the best because you're still going to be able to take hits away from guys on ground balls like that, but it's not going to be as extreme as it is currently. I don't think I agree with that. What? Just because, Why is that? I mean, they're, it, when you're facing like a, a very good hitter like, like Juan Soto, who you know a lot about Jack, who's going to drill ground balls. Like, it, I, I feel like 
yes, they deserve a lot of those hits, but it, at the end of the day, it's strategy. Like, our the entire goal of the of the opposing team is to stop these superstars. And if you make it so that you can't put an infielder in the outfield, like he's just going to smoke ground balls past people. I'll say this about Juan Soto: the ground balls that he hits, they're they're rarely getting through that infield anyway. Because he, whenever he pulls a ground ball, it's normally pretty weak contact. Well, yeah, maybe he's not a good example, but I know guys like Yandy Diaz or like even Willie Adamas when he was on the Rays, like he had great exit velocity. He'd like rip balls into the dirt, like in thirty percent of his at bats. It would have made him so much better, but um, I don't know. Like it, it's definitely an interesting thing to talk about. I I could entertain the no four man outfield thing, like what Joey Gallo was talking about with four people in the outfield, as in like full playing as full on outfielders, not as infielders that are that happen to be like in the grass. That could be talked about, but uh, I don't know. As a whole, it's just a part of the strategy. And I don't think any part of strategy in baseball should be taken out. Even the three batter minimum, like I, I see what purpose it serves and it's not that big of a deal, but still like I would have preferred if that weren't a rule. But, I don't uh, mind yeah. the three batter minimum at all because it makes stuff go quicker. Watching pitcher, manager goes out, brings in Aaron Loop to face the one lefty. <laughs> Commercial break, foil eye warms up. Pitches one pitch to get the guy out. All right, Aaron Loop, you're coming out. Got to bring someone else in to face the righty now. And another commercial break, and we got in one pitch of action in about seven minutes. Yeah, I definitely see your point. But um, I don't know. I, I, I prefer the advertisement. The advertisement has to remain in there. So if there's the three, you know, the three batter rule, that means they can go to an advertisement and also cut the game just from changing its rules. Not the advertisement, because the advertisement hasn't remained there. Yeah. yeah and, the, and the advertising doesn't change whether or not, you know, the like if, they're, if you're bringing in pitchers, there's going to be advertising they're, or they're just going to have you staring at the pitcher. Like, oh, I don't really mind that they advertise during that. It's a pretty obvious thing. But there's just so many opportunities when you have that, especially in these playoff games, when you have so many guys that are just brought in to face one batter. Yeah. I, I honestly think that the three batter minimum – should definitely be a regular season rule. I think it, it went over pretty well. But when it comes for the playoffs, I don't know. I, I think that playoff baseball should be completely reliant on strategy. Like, that's where some of the greatest moments come when a manager makes a bad mistake. Or, uh, like, for example, everyone still talks about the Blake okay. Snell shit. Or, can I cuss? <laughs> I can, I can uh, cut it out. It's fine. Just okay, try not to. You, it's you, it's just fine. Yeah, you can say pass and to. stuff, but, you, but yeah. like, the hard ones is fine. Yeah. Uh, the hard the Blake's Blake Snell stuff. Uh, people talk about that, but um, I don't know. I think it's definitely uh, I don't know. It's a, it's a very hard debate, and the guys in the room making the decisions probably know a lot about how it affects the game, and definitely more than we do, probably. So, in in general, I usually trust the rule changes that they make, even if they do decide to get rid of the shift. And this is a little off topic, right? But you brought up how with the shift, there's strategy, right? And, you know, you may be taking hits away from players. And this is super like, yeah, I just reminded me of this. But me and Jack were having the conversation about the fast break fouling in basketball. And I, my response to Jack was that it's strategy. And then his response was that it takes baskets away from players. How, what's your opinion on, like, if you give up a steal on a fast break and, and you're clearly at a disadvantage, so you intend, so you just foul, so it stops that? 
Well, that's a clear path foul, isn't it? Well, no. If but someone's no, like in front. When, there, when there's someone that's like it's a, barely it's out like a three in front. On one, and then yeah. the guy right behind him fouls to stop the three on one. Huh. Um. I mean, I, I, I think it should still. I, I've had an issue with that for a while, just watching basketball, that type of foul. I, I think it should still be a clear path if it's a three on one. But I mean, that's just not how the rule book works. There's way too many fouls in the NBA in general, like especially when, when a team is up three. And uh, I mean, it just becomes into a foul fest at that point. And that's just not fun to watch, in my opinion. But um, the final two minutes of basketball games take about 20 minutes. It feels like terrible. I was watching the uh, the Magic Pacers game that went to overtime. The after whole the game Magic, was really it was after a good the Magic game. were up eighteen. The Magic, yeah, they they choked super hard. It was a good game, and then those those final two minutes, the Magic were down three, and it was foul, 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 just like boring basketball. So I think something has to be done about that. Yeah, I was just wondering because it sounded the, the points that you brought up were just very similar to the points that came up when me and Jack were talking about it. Universal de- designated hitter, and I know me and Jack talked about this last week, but I, what do you think about it, Parker? I think it'd be beyond good for the game. I, I'm not an NL baseball fan, so I'm sure that there's a lot of different perspectives, but every time there's an interleague game, yeah, it's kind of a cool gimmick to see Tyler Glasnow just whiff through three <laughs> fastballs like that, I guess. But <laughs> at a certain point, it's like we want the best dudes on the field doing what they're meant to do like i don't want to watch rich hill at bats i'm sorry i get you, it like, remember we tried to drag bunt against us i remember a lot of i i remember vidal nuno hitting a triple against the marlins and then being out for the year <laughs> with a fucking torn acl dude rich hill and he got traded to the mess actually lay down a drag bunt against us and it worked of course <laughs> now, one thing to note about the DH is the average salary for a primary DH in the American League in 2021 was 9.2 million, suggesting the change could add about 130 million in player salaries now for if player if teams go and get DHs now. That's pretty good. Cool. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I know I like that. you know, and you know, you got to give it up to the owner because that means you know they do have to pay for another position player, more than likely for competing teams at least. You know, the Pirates, I doubt, are like, we need to Pirates go. Pirates will stick Yoshi Sutsugo there. Yoshi Sutsugo will definitely be our DH. I don't know. He'll probably just stick at first. We got a yeah. lot of space for people to come in. He's better than Colin Moran, I'll tell you that. Colin Moran is not there anymore. Yeah, Colin Moran is not there anymore. That is awesome news for Pirates fans. It is awesome news. Bro, there was like a month when I first started watching. I think it was in May. And he had like a like a six game stretch of just like being good, and I thought he was actually good. So <laughs> I remember that I was like, yes, like Colin Moran, Redbeard, and then I realized he was terrible, and I was like, oh, well then. Yeah, you didn't watch his negative three worst season the year before. Uh, option limit <laughs> five <laughs> limit of five times per season that a player can be optioned to the minors. That's good for the players. I think there's some teams that might struggle with that, but that's good for the players. I feel like that's a race thing. I, I, I know. <laughs> I feel a team like that's that a race thing. I know. <laughs> Lewis Head, a uh, reliever who ended up putting like a two ERA up with us, uh, got called or sent down nine times last year. See, I think that's the less the amount of times Tyro Estrada, the Giants, was called up and sent down. Which is crazy because Tyro was like a good player. So I, I think guys like that deserve to stay up for sure. It's yeah. definitely good. Like, 
obviously it'll hurt my team a little bit, but uh, I don't know. I don't think that should be prioritized when we're talking about labor type stuff. Expanded postseason. 12 teams in each league with the top two division winners in each league receiving a buy. Postseason players pool would be increased by approximately 15 million, while 50 additional players would receive postseason shares each year. See, when you say it like that, it sounds like it's a good thing for the players, and it is a good thing for the players. It's more a good thing for the owners. They're going to make so much money off of that. Yeah. yeah. And uh, especially if they end up getting it to 14, which is definitely a possibility. I mean, <sighs> there's going to be so much money coming up to the owners in the playoffs. Yeah, we talked it's, about that last week. Parker, what do you think about 14 teams? You know, and then you can terrible. give your opinion on 12. So, so what's your opinion <laughs> the difference between 12 and 14? I think – 12 is the sweet spot. I've been calling for a 12-team playoff for a while. Um, I, I think that every single year there's one team that misses the playoffs that definitely should be in it, uh, whether it's um, – I don't know, even – The 2021 Washington Nationals. Absolutely not. Uh, <laughs> I'm going right to be a little there, bit dude. of a homer here. Uh, the Rays have missed the playoffs three times while they in, during the uh, wild card era with 90 wins or more. So they've missed the playoffs with 90 wins or more three times. So I, I've always like held that belief just because of my personal experiences of seeing great race teams miss the playoffs all the time. But uh, I don't know. Seven just seems like too much. Do you imagine it, it, how nasty the Blue Jays would have been in the playoffs this year? You imagine oh, how would nasty have... it would have been to watch the damn Phillies? Oh, dude, that would have been so good. Harper carrying his team to the World Series. And And the rest of his team with a 684 OPS. Disgusting. I See, I don't know. With the AL, it's going to be very good because the AL is just (laughs) – there's so many good teams in the AL. But with the NL, I mean, if the Mets become good, it might be awesome. You know what? Let's just do nine AL teams and keep it to five NL teams. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. We're going to see the entire NL East or the AL East in the playoffs next or if there are seven teams. Yeah, not the Orioles. Yeah, not the Orioles. But... <laughs> oh, I'm not I even meant the Red Sox. The no, the Red Sox but are going to make it. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about that later, but um, they're not. No, no, no. Go ahead. Elaborate on how the Red Sox will not make the playoffs. They're j- Okay, I just don't – they don't impress me. Their pitching staff wasn't good last year. They beat you. I don't care. <laughs> I do not – our pitching staff was even worse, if we're being honest. Like – we had so you were Drew the Rasmussen. We had a, an actual reliever start game three of the ALDS. An That's actual right. reliever. He opened the game. He didn't open the game. Drew he was Rasmussen supposed to pitch was starting five three all since y'all traded for him. Let's not act like he was not a starter throughout the season. Rasmussen? Oh, yeah. No, he was a starter, and he was a good starter. He was good, exactly. He's still, like, I mean, if when... we're being honest, I Drew Rasmussen had about six Ks for nine like a, an 18k percentage as a starter he just like he was giving up a lot of hard contact he was he was a very good control pitcher i'll admit that but he was good pal i mean pounding the zone with 99 mile per hour fastballs and them getting hit is dangerous for sure he needs a third pitch he has a good fastball a solid slider but just like we saw with tyler glasnow in 2020 it's hard to have sustained success as a starter if you have that's a really hard sentence to say anyways <laughs> it's hard to be successful as a starter if you have two pitches like yes you can have a good season or two but like going forward you need to develop a third pitch so and now we talked about this last week jack the draft lottery 
And we have details now of what the draft lottery they proposed actually is. It is the top five selections are chosen by NBA style lottery. So that the worst five teams and the rest are record. Equal odds for the worst three at 16.5%, apparently. Well, I guess it says top five selections chosen by, I'm not really sure. But the revenue sharing pays ineligible to be a lottery three straight years. Non-pay ineligibles. Okay, ineligible teams can't pick higher than the eighth overall. For So there are odds for it. So it is going to be 16.5% for the top, for the worst three teams. What do you think about that? I'm confused on the odds here. So we're doing, we're saying this top five teams are in the lottery, or the worst five teams are in the lottery. That's what it says. It says the top five teams are chosen by NBA style lottery. So the, you know, the top five selections, AKA the worst five teams, NBA awards, top four selections, the NHL awards, top two selections via lottery. So that sounds all really weird. It's, in my opinion, that is, I need to, I need to see it in action. I'm kind of failing to grasp what's really going on. I think a lottery would have been very useful for last season for because like the after the 60 season? game season. Yeah. But at right now it's like, eh, does it really matter? I think they should give the Nats the number one pick. <laughs> they should, they should give it to the Rays every single year, but that's just me. Drew uh-huh. Jones will be a great net. Me when I laugh. Ah, yeah, yeah. By the way, uh, remaining meeting time, do we set like a time limit on the meeting? Oh. No. Poop. This meeting will end in 10 minutes. Upgrade now. Okay, well, what do we want to talk about in the 10 minutes? We got to hurry. We got eight minutes. We got to hurry. And at least. Okay, here, here we go. Here we go. And now we discussed the AL East and we discussed a little bit about the Red Sox, even though they were the better team than the Rays last year, simply because nope. they beat them in the playoffs. Nope. But we're going to move on to the NL East to talk about the defending champion Braves, the God tier pitching prospects that come out of Miami right now. The Mets who just now have the two best one, two in pitching in baseball with three accusations of old free agents who can provide a lot of value if they play up to their expectations the Phillies, who have Bryce Harper and no one else, and then the Washington Nationals, who have Juan Soto and no one else. So, Except, I wouldn't say. See, I wouldn't say the Phillies have Bryce Harper and no one else. They at least have pitching. The Nationals have Juan Soto and no one else, including pitching. But no one likes talking about pitching. This is what brings okay, the fans fair. in are the hitting. This is true. We want to see home runs. That's so, exactly why the Rays are never predicted no, to make shush, the playoffs. Please, please, please. <laughs> exactly why. <laughs> but. So, Annalise, Jack, this is your team. This is your this is your boundary or territory. So, go ahead and take it away. So, I did a prediction last week on our substack of my division standings. And I have the Braves at one, the Mets at two, the Marlins at three, the Phillies at four, and the Nats at five. Boo. Um, I, I think the Nats are a lock for five. I mean, I there's just no way anyone can be worse than we are in this division. Everyone else has gotten better or was a lot better. Uh I mean, the Braves are obviously reigning champs. Mets have gotten way better. Marlins have gotten way better. Phillies are kind of the same thing they were, but they were also 17 games better than us last year. So I think that the Phillies is probably my most controversial take here is that I have them at four. And I just think it's because I thought they would be aggressive this offseason and go for, you know, some top stars or I mean, just even somebody. And there's obviously still a chance they do that. But as of right now with where the rosters stand, I think they're the fourth best team because – their offense was not good outside of Bryce Harper in the second half. And it really wasn't good all year besides Bryce Harper. And that offense around Bryce Harper has since gotten worse. 
So I really just don't know what to expect. I mean, maybe some of these guys on that offense pick up the pace and they become really good. Their starting pitching is great. Bullpen, they signed Corey Knievel, I like, and you know, who knows what goes on there. It's the Phillies, so you can never trust the bullpen with them. But I think I think they ha- they're the one team that really hasn't gotten better out of the teams that should expect to be at least solid in the NL East. And, you know, I think this primarily falls on the Miami Marlins doing better rather than I think the Phillies doing bad. Because I think they're going to be really close, but it's going to be in two different narratives. As if, if they're close, it means the Marlins took a big step as Jazz Chisholm got better. It means that the pitching rotation, Sandy Alcantara is taking that elite jump. You know, he's already very good. Does he make that elite jump? Do people like Sixto play? You know, all those young pitchers. And then is it that is it the same story with Phillies and Bryce Harper isn't able to have an MVP season again? You know, he's he, he's had hot and cold seasons where he's had one insane year MVP, then really died off the next year. And, you know, if he does that, if he doesn't maintain the 1040 OPS or that he had this year, the Phillies are just going to be a bunch of hitters until you got up to number three. Yeah, and I, I don't see any reason as of right now with their roster, they're going to be any different than they were last year, probably worse especially with the division being a lot better this year because the Mets obviously went out and got their guys. The Braves aren't going to be as terrible as they were in the first half last year. I mean, Nats sucks, so you have that. But Marlins are better than they were. Braves are better than they were for the majority of the year. Mets are better than they were. It's going to be tougher for the Phillies to win games. What do you think? What do you think, Parker? What, if you were, if you were as a, you are an AL watcher and you obviously aren't devoting your time to watch – the AL or the NL East, which was one of the worst divisions in football and baseball last year. Um, if not the worst division in baseball after the nationals shipped all their great players off besides Juan Soto. So as someone who just knows because you are a baseball head, what do you think this division is going to look like next year? Um, I don't know. I have some unpopular opinions about this division for sure. Uh, for one, I think the Phillies are going to be absolutely terrible. Like, I think they're going to, like, not even just take a step back. They really – I don't think Harper is going to be as good as he was last year. He's still going to be very good. He's a great player. But his year last year seems like kind of an outlier. I mean, that's an MVP season. Whoa, whoa, whoa. whoa. I mean, I yes, I get it. He, he's a really, really good player. A really good player. But we act like he's not a two-time MVP. No, he's he's for sure, like, I call an MVP an level player. But he goes up and down a lot. That's what but I just exactly, that's what I said. Exactly. But it, it's not an outlier. Is that's not the word you would use? It's, no, not not exactly. I mean, recently it's an outlier considering his his recent seasons. Like Didn't back he have a good in twenty eighteen season, or is that did, the bad yeah. year? Okay, but it, it wasn't close to as good as it was last year. You know, he's okay. still a very good player. That's not what I'm trying to say, but he's I don't think he'll be MVP it? level. I don't Top. think they have like Reese Hoskins is a solid piece, but they don't really have an offense outside of. Bryce Harper and Ramuto, but had a really bad down year last year. To be fair, and I, I mean Ramuto, yeah, he'll back. he'll definitely play better. But they did lose McCutcheon, which is a batting, which is a bat they needed because he was that's, great for them last year. That's a big loss, a very big. Brad loss. Miller is also a free agent as of right now. Brad Miller, Brad Miller was amazing for them last year. I he absolutely that. owns the Nats, and it's crazy. Yeah, he he was like a top three player all time against the Nats. He went like four for six with three homers in a series in Nats Park at some point this year. It was crazy. He's a beast. And he had a walk-off grand slam against us. To be fair, that is the Nats bullpen. So. Well, yeah, it was, it was Sam Clutch still. So. <laughs> it was yeah. the greatest the greatest, <laughs> the greatest, moment ever is when we're sitting at Chick-fil-A, and I, he goes, name a team without a good reliever. 
And I was like, Nationals. He was like, no, 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 no. And I was like, I thought Tanner Rainey was good, to be no. fair. I think no, Tanner no. Rainey is going to bounce back this next year. I think that's that's like the only thing I'm looking forward to in that bullpen. When but, Wander Suero yeah. was the best one out of the bullpen? I did. I did Wander Suero was nowhere close. Kyle Finnegan was our unironic best pitcher, but he wasn't that's like true. that good. He was whatever. Daniel Hudson was really good before we traded him. But. Buddy. The man that we uh, got for Corey Dickerson, and then we immediately released him like a day after, which is awesome. But and I um, think one of the bigger problems I also have is the Braves at one. Taking oh. taking into account that Freddie Freeman is gone, say say Freeman doesn't come back, and Acuna's coming I, off. I will say this: I made that prediction. I said, and I said it that I'm assuming that Freeman will be back. Either way, I just I think they'll be fine. I have the Marlins as number one in that division. Oh, yo, what did he well, say? We have, we have less than a minute on the meeting, but we need to elaborate on this. I'll, I'll, I'll just say this very, very quickly. I know what the time Lots is. of very, very great additions. Already a really good pitching staff. You get Jacob Stallings, who's one of the best defensive catchers in the league. Avi Garcia, who was on a down year last year. He's a great hitter. Um, Joey Wendell is a really underrated addition. A great defender. He can play shortstop third, and he'll hit for you, at least against righties. I, I think that the Marlins are a major sleeper pick for not even just an at least winner, but maybe World Series winner. What a way to end this, this episode off. 